0: Bob can be found at the com. and we're going to go into why his domain is called that and uh, he started chatting about this before we hit record and it just spurred a ton of questions and it got me a little excited so we're going to so stay here for about the halfway point because that's when we're going to probably start talking about that particular strategy but Bob has been in the real estate and tax attorney business for a did you say real estate for 11 years? No, more than that. Sorry. 1989. Like
1: real estate. Yes. Yeah.
0: And thanks to his practice, he's down in Puerto Rico right now. Enjoying the weather. I got to call that out because we're going to be a balmy 30 degrees here today compared to what it was yesterday, which was like we had a night of 20 below here. Oh, no. It was yeah. 75 here last night.
1: It was very, that almost closed the windows.
0: Sorry. <laughs> so. Yeah, so you have me jealous. We're just it- itching for spring here. Yes. So, yeah. Bob, we're going to let's start things off because you have some opinions and speculation around the current market conditions sure. and what somebody should possibly be considering doing, especially if they're a fix and flipper, because you, you have yes. had a ton of experience in developing.
1: I have. I started in 1989. I started buying properties at tax foreclosure auctions to flip, like fix and flip. So, I've been in this business a long time. And when I've seen markets like this, which I've seen two of them, I saw there was one, the RTC crisis, which was early, I guess that was early 80s. I saw that as a bystander. It wasn't in real estate yet. And then there was the 2008 crisis. And both times I've seen some interesting things. First is that prices can always drop further than you think. And then at the, and that's, so it's, you know, what would be buying while well, as investors say, you don't want to catch falling knives, meaning when prices are dropping, Let them fall, hit the floor, then pick up the knife so you don't get cut. And the second thing is that at the end of these big tumultuous times that we've had, at the end of that, there are the best opportunities that you'll ever see. They're just amazing. So what you want to do right now is accumulate cash and get ready for when the market timing is right. Because if you think about it, the best investors in the world do everything at the right time. Warren Buffett didn't get to be one of the world's richest guys by doing things at any old time. He buys Properties when they're on sale, meaning meaning companies, not real estate like us. But he buys things when the timing is right, when the business is desperate for cash and things are on sale. And we should be doing the same thing as real estate investors. And right now, we're headed into a downturn. I think we can all agree with that. We don't know exactly how long it's going to be. And so what you want to do is is accumulate cash. If you're a flipper, don't buy new inventory right now because you don't know what's going to happen with it. Instead, finish up the projects you have get them flipped. And if you do buy places right now, my suggestion, buy places where you can rent it and it cash flows. You don't want to buy places where you have to flip it and the pricing has to stay stable while you're fixing it up. Because let's face it, it could take five or six months to fix a property out. And during that time, prices could easily change by 10 or 15%. That's probably your entire margin if you're in the flipping business. And you just can't be in that game. It's too risky. But the game you can be in is renting is fine. As long as you don't care if the value of the property goes up or down, absolutely rent it. You'll do great. And I did that in Las Vegas in 2009 and 10. We were buying places that formerly were $275,000. I had friends calling me up like, Bob, you got to come down here. Houses have dropped to 175. dollars You have to buy them. So I went out and looked. I didn't know much about Las Vegas at the time. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I said, but places rent for 1300 a month. Doesn't make sense to spend 175000 for them because there'll be negative cash flow. And just rule of thumb if you take the purchase price and, and multiply it times 1%, if that's your monthly rent, then it's basically going to be break even. So, just for example, if your monthly rent were $1,300 a month, like it was in Las Vegas, if we pay $130,000 for that property, it's basically going to be break even. You, know, you have some adjustments for taxes, but that's a good rule of thumb. So I knew that paying $175,000 was a loser. I'm like, that's not a good deal. But I went out to Las Vegas in 2009. I was able to pick up properties that were really nice, middle-class neighborhoods, including the fix-up cost, cost me, cost me $100 each. And that was including whatever fix-up I had to do. And so I was renting them for 1300 buying them for 80000 And the only question is, how many did you want? And you go out with a realtor any day of the week, see 15 Oreos, make offers on 10 of them, and get four or five of them was unbelievable and people got incredibly wealthy doing that and i made a lot of money that was not maybe incredibly wealthy but i made a lot of money doing it and this is going to be the same thing i don't know exactly where or which place is going to be the opportunity but it's the same deal where as the prices decline people get desperate and banks end up with too many reos and they just dump them but you have to wait you have to be patient because the best investors in the world are patient people that do things at the right time. So in my opinion, what you want to do right now is get your cash together. And what investors call dry powder. Have your dry powder so when everybody else is out of cash, you have cash, and then you basically determine the price you're going to pay. You don't have to beg anybody. You don't have to make 50 offers. Like when I was out in Las Vegas at that point, literally I would see 15 properties in a day. I'd make offers on somewhere between 7 and 10 of them. And I'd get three or four properties every day when I was shopping. And my only issue was how much funding could I get? And that's the challenge in that kind of a market is just getting your funding. That's an easier problem to solve than you can't find any good deals. So in my opinion, today is about accumulate your cash, build up your savings, and get ready for the opportunity. And don't do the same thing you've been doing. We've had a, an upswing in real estate since around 2000. And then it started to falter last year. Nothing goes up forever. Things adjust. And with increased interest rates, we're going to see big adjustments. And I'm sure, Jack, you guys have talked about this, but if you haven't, I'll talk about it. Most people in America buy based on payment plans. So if you're like selling a house, especially to a first or even a a second time home buyer, they're going to a mortgage broker and they're saying, here's our income, here's our debt, here's what we have for a down payment. How much can we afford to buy? And the mortgage broker says, if you have an adjustable rate mortgage, you do this. If you have a fixed rate mortgage, you do that. And they have a budget. And interest rates have more than doubled from last year. If we talk like January to January, more than doubled. And that is a huge impact on the amount of money people can borrow. It's not the same as it was. You can't borrow. It's probably a third less right now is what people can borrow, given the same payment and same down payment. So that means that your average house in America, which right now is around $410,000, is not going to sell. It's not going to have the market that it had before it's going to have to drop and it will drop and markets always correct themselves. So just keep mind of those things that markets will drop. Nothing is forever and markets do go up and down and just don't be buying in the downswing. It's not a good idea. Buy when it goes up. So that's- Are there
0: any triggers or signs that you are foretelling of people knowing when the bottom might be?
1: Yeah. So you don't have to hit the actual bottom and things in real estate turn slowly because it's not like stocks where it's a super efficient market. What you want to look at is days on market. And that's the MLS statistic, which is usually with the initials DOM for days on market. Rule of thumb, if it's 45 days average, it's a balanced market. So 45 days, prices should be stable. If it And that means it takes 45 days from the time a property gets listed till the time it goes under contract. If it's 45 days, it's a balanced market. Prices shouldn't go up or down. If it's more than 45 days, like say it gets up to 60 or 70 days, it's very much a buyer's market and prices are going to be declining until that, and that days of market heads back towards 45 days. If it's less than that, it's like a seven or eight days on market average. It's a super hot seller's market and prices will be increasing quickly. So that's the, the thermometer is not the right word for it, but it's, that's the gauge that's going to tell you how fast and what direction a market is changing. Again, 45 days being stable, Anything over that being a buyer's market, meaning over 45 days. Anything under that being a seller's market. And the more it deviates from 45 days, the more of a seller's or buyer's market it is. So you want to look and watch that days of market statistic. That's your stat. The other one to look at is the different differential between listing price versus versus selling price. In a 45-day in a market, meaning a balanced market, you're gonna, usually going to see about a 6% differential. So I'll just use it because it's an easy number to work with. If you had a hundred thousand dollar house, hundred thousand dollar listing, if it sells for around six percent less than that, like ninety four thousand, that's a balanced market. If you have a hundred thousand dollar listing and it's selling for one hundred and ten thousand, obviously you have a very strong seller's market and prices are going to go up. If you see something less than that, like people list for a hundred and sell for eighty, it's very much a declining market and you can expect more of it. So. Watch those two figures and that'll educate you on what's happening.
0: Any guesstimate as to what the Fed is going to do next?
1: I think they're going to have to continue raising rates. I don't think they have any choice. And the inflation we're experiencing, by the way, is intentional. That's not a mistake. Like, we hear this 7, 8, 9, 10% inflation. That's intentional. It's going to continue. The reason they're doing it is because it makes our debt less expensive. Meaning, so we sell T-bills to create money in America. And when you... A T-bill is denominated in static dollars, like $100,000, for example. And when you have to pay back a T-bill five years later or a year later or sometime in the future, when inflation has happened, it makes it easier to pay back. Just for example, if you had 10% inflation, if you borrow money today, borrow $100,000 for a T-bill, when you pay it back in a year, it's 10% less expensive to pay back. So the government is intentionally doing inflation; they're still printing money like crazy. So expect more of the same. And the Fed is going to continue raising rates. I don't see any drop coming anytime soon. They they can't; they they've got to keep inflation at least eight to ten percent range. They won't tell you that, but that's what they're doing. By the way, I got that from a Fed chairman. I was in a I, I do coaching for for Harvard Business School for their startup program, and they had a guy from the Fed. I attend the, the classes too because they're interesting. That a guy from the Fed explained, he's like, yeah, it's just intentional. And I was like, oh, like, that was like a head plant like this. I'm like, I can't believe they're doing that. But they have mm-hmm. to. They have no choice. So, such is life. Yeah,
0: such is life. So, you don't think there's a pressure going to be, there's a certain point where they're going to end up having to reverse course, right? Like you said, the, everything Absolutely. moves so slowly. But it seems like we, yeah. we reverse course sometimes too slowly.
1: They do. They, they're politicians. Don't forget. I mean, they say they're not, but they are. They're politicians, so they they do things gradually, and they're trying at at all costs not to take responsibility for anything, unless it's good. But everything else that's hmm. bad, they try to duck responsibility. And I just I don't see a big drop coming. And also remember, they don't directly control mortgage rates. They control the Fed funds rate, which is an interbank interbank borrowing rate. It's not it's not mortgage rates directly. And one of the things that a mortgage lender has to consider when they're lending money in an inflationary environment, they have to keep in mind, they're getting paid back in the future and they have to accommodate for inflation. You know, don't don't forget that. When you're being paid over 30 years, you've got to accommodate for the fact that the money you're lending today, when you get it back later, is worth less. So, mm-hmm. so it forces interest rates higher. And also the Fed doesn't directly control it. So just keep that in mind. But I think More important for all of us is that we exert so much more control over our lives than any federal government agency, whether it's the Fed or President Biden or whomever. The amount of control they exercise over your day-to-day life is not that great, thankfully. You really, what you decide to do when you get up in the morning is far more important than what some politician in Washington decided to do or not do. And we're all attuned to be angry and upset. And whatever side you're on, if you're on the right, you're angry and upset about the crazy stuff they're teaching in schools or President Biden and his sort of being older and maybe not completely, aware <laughs> that you're upset over the Second Amendment and all those things that we're upset about. And if you're on the left side, you're upset because you think the earth is going to catch on fire anytime soon. They're all going to burn up in global warming, that nobody cares, that, that it's unfair that people who are not white Christians get a have a harder time in life that's so everybody's upset and just understand that's also intentional you and i no matter which side we land on right or left are just fodder for an advertising machine so the reason like fox news has like tucker carlson saying just stuff to get you upset is because he wants a big audience and what's he going to say tonight what did nancy pelosi do today Because they've got to get you to tune in. And boring news doesn't get you to tune in. Outrage does. Same thing with the left. Tune in MSNBC. You'll hear about the horrible things about Donald Trump. I don't really know why since he's not in office anymore, but that's what they'll do. And say, little orange man, look what he did now. And Mm -hmm. it's just, but all they're doing is gathering an audience together so they can sell that audience's attention to advertisers. And the purest way to get attention is to say outrageous things. You know, it's not to be milk toast in the middle. It's to say outrageous things and accuse people of outrageous things. And so just don't be cannon fodder. Don't just be mm-hmm. somebody's fool and get sucked into it. Like, it's information. You'll get information from all those news outlets. You have to suss through it, like figure out, all right, they've got an angle, so I got to take all this with a grain of salt. But don't let it get you upset because it's, first of all, you don't control it. And as, as some of the great ancient Greek philosophers have said, And these are the stoic philosophers to be specific. If you don't control it, don't worry about it. Work on the things that Mm -hmm. you control, work on things you can do today to make your life what you want it to be. I'm a big believer in that because otherwise you just have heartburn. That's all. And you'll look like Mm -hmm. me. If you worry too much, you have no hair. (laughs) Well, like uh, us, that's
0: that's one of those things that I I always, uh, I find really interesting about the current environment is, how politicized everything has become everything. and it has become everything. and the bigger the divide, the more convinced the either side becomes. And and I, I've actually had people ask, I've had people ask me why they'll catch me listening to Jimmy Dore on one hand and Steven Crowder on the other. I want to know what both sides says about a particular thing because the truth is typically in the middle there somewhere.
1: Yeah. And and everybody's definitely got a strong agenda these days. So you have to really take that even further into mind that the day of having some news anchor just telling you the news or what happened that's long since passed you know it's just yeah everything an is
0: just opinion it's just opinion lately or i was i remember this from when i was younger like even in high school you like you said you tune in the news you'd get the news now every time you tune in you get you're getting somebody's opinion you're right
1: it's all opinion journalism all of it all There's of it. no news it's all just everybody's opinion and it's Used to be the opinion was really what they decided to cover. Like back in the day, it was more like what stories got coverage. Today, it's out. It's almost a war, but it's a war just for advertising dollars. They, these people don't mean any of it. They just want advertising dollars.
0: And to, just, to don't, shift don't do conversation, conversation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to shift conversation just a little bit, let's move over to the rise of overages today. I'm gonna again yeah. make sure that link is in the show notes. But can you give the audience the same little two-minute concept or summary of what this is?
1: Let's make a short tutorial. So when a property is lost at a foreclosure auction, now this could be from a tax foreclosure because you didn't pay your real estate taxes, or it can be from a mortgage foreclosure because you didn't pay your mortgage. When a property is lost at one of those foreclosure auctions, when the property sells for more than the debt, that extra money is available for the former owner to claim. Now we think about it. Think how that makes sense. Let's say that you your your property's lost at tax sale. Now, typically, that property's gonna be three to four years behind in taxes. So let's say it adds up to you know, $30,000 in taxes, give you an easy number to work with. Now, average house in America is worth a little over $400,000, 410,000 to be specific, but let's just call it 400,000 for an easy round figure. So your $400,000 property at a tax foreclosure auction, it's gonna sell for 75 to 80% of its as-is value. So I'm going to take into consideration repairs, but let's say it sells for 75% of 400,000. So that's $300,000 sale price. And let's even say it needed a hundred thousand in repairs. So we'll just discount that. So it sells for $200,000 at the auction. When it sells for 200,000 at the auction and there was $30,000 in taxes that are due, that means that there is $170,000 left over. Does that make sense? Was that easy mm-hmm. to follow it down? Okay. There's $130,000 left over. That's the money that a former owner is able to apply for and claim. And there's some catches here. First, they have to apply for it and ask for the money. If you don't apply, you don't get the money. They don't send out a sheriff's deputy to track you down and say, oh, I'm so glad I found you, Jack. We have this $130,000 check. I got it in my pocket here. Let me hand it to you. Not at all. They don't do that. They wait for you to come and apply for the money. Not a big deal to apply for. Just fill in some forms and they, they give you the money. But the problem is people don't know about it because they are just defeated. You'd lose your house at a foreclosure auction. It's a horrible thing. I think of a losing your house. It's not as serious as a death in the family. Not as serious as saying getting diagnosed with cancer. Not quite as serious as getting divorced. But it's up there. It's probably in the top five bad things that could happen to you. And it's very traumatic for people. So they're in no position to advocate for themselves, to hire a lawyer to go look into it. They don't have money to pay their taxes. They don't have money for a lawyer. And so they basically just walk away defeated, trying to get an apartment that their bad credit can still get them into, trying to explain to the kids why they have to move, trying to downsize from a house to an apartment. Really tough, really hard emotionally. So these folks are not ready to advocate for themselves or to figure out the bureaucratic process. So the business that we do is we get the lists of of people that are owed money, very easy public records list to get. We reach out to them on the phone, convince them this is a real idea, which is its own thing, but we convince them it's a real idea. And then on a contingent fee, we go out and get the money, meaning that there's no cost or charge unless we're successful, then we take a success fee, which is a percentage of what we get typically 30 to 40% of what we recover. And what I love about this business is a couple of things. Number one, it's just a cash generating business. It's not a business where we're not taking out a mortgage, we're not borrowing money. I also know exactly how much money I'm going to make at the end of every deal because I know how big the overage is. And mm-hmm. your run-of-the-mill overage, well, I can say our average overage deal is $52,000. So on average, we're recovering $52,000 for people. Usually we have costs of two thousand dollars per deal for round figures. Often it's less than that, but about two thousand. So at least fifty thousand left to divide. We're usually taking about twenty thousand for our fee, and the ex homeowner gets thirty thousand that they never knew about, would never have gotten without us. We're basically like Santa Claus and a blessing coming in the same night. It's really like for people who've lost their house and everything, to get a windfall of thirty thousand dollars while doing nothing more than signing papers, giving us permission to go pursue this is really good. And I -hmm. think the person that this is good for is someone who really has it in their heart to help people. Like one of my favorite parts about the business is I'm taking these people who have lost so much, they've just been hammered by whatever caused their financial shortfall that meant they couldn't pay their taxes or their mortgage. These are people that really need our help. They're like just down and out. I really like helping them. That's a big deal to me. And I think the person that this business is right for also feels that way. We're like, yeah, I'd love to really help people in a significant way. And also you want to make a lot of money because it is a profitable business and we run it that way. We run it like a business. But I think the person who's perfect for this is someone who wants to make money and also who really wants to help people. And I, I think that's the profile of a successful overages recovery specialist, which is what we call ourselves.
0: Okay. Yeah, wherever there's a place that like really helps somebody, there's also opportunity there. So you mentioned before what some of the common questions would be like, where does a person get this type of list?
1: Yes, that's number one. And I don't know if you have this capability. I'll ask you, do you have the capability of pulling up a computer screen and looking at it? Yeah. So just do that and I'll show you one. Okay. You can do that. I'll walk you through it. And anybody. Oh, you mean.
0: Oh, you want me to share my screen? Can you? No, I can't do that bit.
1: Oh, can I do it? <laughs> can I do it and go out? No, of, you wouldn't be able to. Uh, to well, me.
0: here, give give me one second. Maybe I can. We'll edit this piece out. So, give me one second. Where do I? What what's the URL?
1: Just do a search because this will be the most impactful for people to see. Just type in Dekalb, D E K A L B, which is a county in Georgia.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen here. See,
1: I'll walk you through it. It's really cool. You'll love this. I promise. And so will your listeners.
0: Okay. We have right here.
1: I still see you, but are you seeing your screen or they can go, be recorded?
0: No, it wants me to restart my browser at the moment. So oh. we're, so we'll have to, I'll do my best to insert. Can I do it? You could try. It's you have to hit the. Do you have a share option at the bottom of your screen? Yeah, I did. Let me see what, choose what to share. Okay. I've got to,
1: I've got to allow you to record something, which I can. Happy to do.
0: This is worth it. I
1: promise you. You will like it. That, that'll that tell you. That's a. What? Yeah. It says you want to quit. So I'll do the later. You can't see my screen either. Can you do it on your phone and you can insert it later? Because then, I'll, then I'll I can. Insert
0: it. I'll, I'll insert it yeah. later. Okay. Okay. So what so do I do?
1: I want you to do this search and anybody on here can do this search equally. So it'll be very cool. Type in DeKalb, which is spelled D-E-K-A-L-B, county, excess okay. funds. In, so, in Google, I'm going to do it on my iPad here. It's next to me, too. So make sure I'm running. I got
0: excess funds, DeCab Tax Commissioner. You got it. So click on that. Yes, sir. Excess funds list. It's really just published out here like this. <laughs> yes. Isn't it surprising? And if
1: I thought you'd have your own reaction, I wanted to give you the freedom to have. Well, that. some
0: of the amounts are in like there's one that's $146,000, $183,000. Yes, sir. That's the current list for this
1: particular particular county. Yeah, it's one county in Georgia. It's part of Atlanta, so it's a big county, but still. Sure. Okay. And you'll also notice in that search, it would have brought up a couple of other counties as well. Like you can, it's smart enough to know there are other counties.
0: So did they have to publish them like this?
1: Yes. If they, this is millions of dollars that's sitting out there. If they didn't publish them, they'd just steal it because it's, you need that. Like visibility well, that's
0: essentially extra. what they're doing now,
1: yeah, but they're they're smoother about it, at least you got a shot if you're if you could look it up, and the problem for most people, they have no idea that there is even any list, or that if you lost your house at a tax sale or a mortgage foreclosure sale, there could be any extra money, so people don't ever even look for it unless they're educated, like I'm educating you guys. the list is just sitting there, so basically, you get this list, and I forget how many pages that list is it's a couple of pages long. And yeah, it's five, five pages, five pages, a couple million dollars on there. I have to look, oh, yeah. you'll see a bunch at of least. ones just to start with.
0: Um, yeah, at least. There's and one on here, 304,000.
1: There you go. Hey, can you imagine, just imagine. So we see this profit opportunity, right? That's really exciting. But think about that person that say is going to get $200,000 because you picked up the phone and called them, worked through the, certainly they're going to be skeptical. That's okay. That's normal. But you work through that skepticism. And they say, all right, I'll try it. I don't have anything to lose. Why not try it? And you get them a check for $200,000. Can you imagine how much their life is going to be changed?
0: Yeah. I, this is just shocking, actually. I don't know how else to put it. Like, yeah. So you're going to have to do a skip trace. They're no longer at this location, Correct. right? So you've got to track them. You'd have to tra- track these people down.
1: You've got to get their phone numbers. and It sounds like you're familiar with skip tracing. These days, it's pretty easy to find people. If we're talking 10 years ago, it would have been a big deal. But these days, put them in a, one of the skip tracing products. Bin Verified is a good, cheap, easily available one. TLO is the Ferrari of skip tracing, if you get that one. Lexus Nexus makes an amazing product. They're just, you could, what do you use for skip
0: tracing? Let me put that way. What's your, do you have a yeah, phone? I've, I've used pretty much all of the ones you just said.
1: Yeah. It's pretty easy to get in touch with people these days. And then you do have to work through the skepticism for sure. Then I can be like, oh, Jack, I'm so glad you called me. She was waiting for your call. They won't believe you at first. We just have to work through that. That's all. Understand it and don't fight with it. Just understand it's about building some rapport with them and just getting to the point where they'll try it. This is not about Jack. I know we can definitely do this. You'd be like, look, there's no risk to you. We'll do the work. We'll put up any money involved. We'll do everything. And if we're successful... You'll get a windfall. If we're not, it won't cost you anything. So That's so the,
0: they're the ones who receive the the funds, right? Like
1: No, actually, it'll come to you. We structure it so the checks will come to you. You put them in your business account and then obviously give them their portion. Do not run off of their money. Otherwise, you should go to jail. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, no, I was just trying done. to wonder how that transaction worked because the,
1: the money is sent to you and then you deposit in your business account and obviously just give them their portion. Sure. Um,
0: okay. So that 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 does bring it. So have you found a better way? Do you just rant? Just call these guys? you're probably going to get them I'm on the phone and just say, thing. "This is completely out of the blue," but this and then here's my opening. If I were calling you,
1: I'd say, "Jack, I'm so glad I got a hold of you. I'm trying to find you. There's a really significant refund that you're owed, and I'm calling to talk to you about. It. I'm so glad I finally got a hold of you." Because let's face it, I've skip traced you. I've been calling all the different numbers on there. I finally get you. I'm happy and I express that. It's not a formal thing. Hello, is this Mr. Jack Haas? This is Robert Diamond from, you'll think (laughs) I'm a bill collector and you'll run away. And if you're a poor soul that lost your house at tax sale, you're familiar with bill collectors. So, right. You want like that happy voice where I truly am happy to talk to them. By the way, it's not just a and,
0: and stuff going on right now. It, it would have to be hard to convince people to so, listen to you. So,
1: yes. So, what do we do? And uh, first of all, if you said to me, "Oh, this is such a load on nonsense. This is such a scam. Why are you even calling me a jerk?" I, what I say, I don't fight with you. I don't say, "Are you calling me a liar?" No, I don't say that. Instead, I say, "I completely understand that." If I called me with this story, I would feel exactly the same way you do, but you really are owed a refund. And if you give me a couple of minutes, I'll explain to you what we do and how it works. And there's absolutely no risk to you. So just give me a couple of minutes. And if you still don't want to do it, it's fine. But just give me just a couple of minutes. It could be the difference between you having $200,000 and not. So let's just spend just a couple of minutes together. And what I'm doing is just I'm just trying to get your defenses down enough to not just be trying to get me off the phone because I've got to get past that. If you just punted me, let's say you're like, this is such nonsense, click. What I'm going to do then is send you a handwritten note. Say, dear Jack, we spoke very briefly the other day. I understand why you cut off the call because this doesn't sound like it could possibly be real, but it is. I wanted to give you my name and contact information. Feel free to call me, but I'm also going to try and give you a call next week. I'll try you again on Thursday night. Hopefully I'll get you. If you can just give me a couple minutes, I'll explain why I'm calling. That's it. Just a handwritten note in an invitation style envelope. The reason that works is because none of those like swindlers that call all of us, let's face it, I always get, for some reason, everyone wants to sell me a car warranty. I don't know why, but Mm -hmm. they do. So I get all these calls where it's, this is your auto warranty company. I'm like, dude, it's not my auto warranty company. Because if it were, I have two cars, I have a Honda and a Porsche. And if you were Honda of America calling about my Odyssey minivan, you would say, hello, this is Honda of America. And I'd be like, oh, hello, how can I help you? Or this is Porsche of North America. That's what you'd be saying. You'd not be saying, this is your auto warranty company. It is Mm -hmm. not. So we have to not fight with people. Just be kind to people. And it typically takes us six or seven touches before we can even really get the opportunity to make the pitch. What do I mean by touch? A touch could be that first phone call where they're like, no, this is not true. A note that we send them. A follow-up phone call. Maybe it goes to voicemail. So you leave them by hey, it's Bob Diamond just trying to call you. I sent you a note last week. Hopefully you got it. I'll try you again. Just, and it's typically six or seven touches when they're finally let their defenses down enough just for us to talk to them about what we're looking to do with them. And let's face it, some will, some won't. Don't let it. No one deal is going to make your entire business. No one deal is going to destroy it. The success route in this business is just call people, talk to them, treat them like humans, be nice to them, and understand they're where they are for good reason. If they're feeling down and out if i lost my house at tax sale i probably would too but i'd also Mm -hmm. desperately want that money like when you think about someone who lost their house at tax sale or for that matter mortgage foreclosure sale money is the shortage in their life when i think about money i think about money having various amounts of usefulness depending on how much of it you have if you're a homeless guy on the street a hundred bucks is great it really makes a big difference you get to eat maybe get a shower somewhere it's super if you're like a middle-class American that has making between you and your wife 120000 a year, you have a little bit of money in the bank, you can pay your bills. If I gave you $1,000, it's not really a big deal, right? But we're talking about people that have lost their house at foreclosure sale. And we're typically, for our business, our average deal is $52,000. So on average, we're getting them about $30,000 after expenses and fees. For someone who lost their house at tax sale, getting a $30,000 windfall is really meaningful, which is putting it yeah. mildly, really meaningful. So they have that yeah. it's kind of pulling them towards doing it with you. And the fear is pushing them. So you got these two opposing forces, the, the pull of, I need the money, the push of, oh, this is a scam and it's back and forth. So what you got to do is just be nice to them and just add a little weight to the side of trust. And I need the money.
0: And So if people go to your website and again, to remind everybody, go to theriseofaveragestoday.com. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. If they go to this site, is that where they can maybe get more information and maybe yeah, even they learn can, from you? Do you provide I, some I did, sort of coaching? Or
1: we did. I did an hour and a half, basically presentation that really takes you through the business, like the kind of details we're talking about today. But in an hour and a half, I can do more details. Tell me how it works, where it works. Believe it or not, there are three states that don't give the money back and I'll share those with you because I know that the thieving states are Colorado, Michigan. I'm sorry, Michigan has changed. Colorado, New York, and and Illinois do not give the money back. They just Hmm. steal it. They sell your house and keep the change, I should say. So they're the thieves. The other states all will give back money. Of course, some states are better than others, but all the rest of them, you can get a refund of the excess funds. I, I do think it's comical that it's sad and terrible that Colorado and New York and Illinois feel that it's okay to sell somebody's house and keep the money. But I think that's going to get fixed this year. There's a there's a case that's actually from South Dakota, from your place, where the bottom line to it is they should be overturning all of those, the ability of all of those states to keep the money over and above the taxes and penalties. They'll still be able to keep the taxes and penalties. Fair enough. Fair enough on that but they won't be able to just keep all the money from the sale no matter what it's sold for. And that's really good news. The Supreme Court, it's in this term, so it'll be decided this year. And I don't see any way that it's going to go any other way because it's not fair. There was a case in Michigan, which the law got overturned a year and a half ago. There was some veteran who was from the Korean War. The guy lost his house over a $1.97. That's $1.97 in unpaid taxes on his free and clear house. Because the poor old guy just calculated the interest incorrectly. And nobody from the county called up and said, hey, John, you're, you didn't quite pay enough. Could you come down with $2 and we'll, we'll take care of the rest of those taxes? They didn't do that. Instead, they sold his house and kept all the money. And thankfully, some smart lawyers took that case up, went to the Michigan Supreme Court. The Michigan Supreme Court said, this isn't fair. The guy lost his house over $1.97 in taxes. And his house sold for about 100000 and he kept all the money. And so they, they overturned that. And I think the U.S. Supreme Court should fall the same way because this is just mm. egregious behavior. It's, yeah.
0: Okay. Is there any state that is proactive about this?
1: No. The most proactive you get is in a couple of states like Connecticut and Florida, they'll send someone a letter about a month and a half after the sale that it's very thick in legalese, but it basically says your house was sold at a tax sale. If you want further information, here's our office. It takes them three mm-hmm. pages to do that. Unfortunately, it doesn't say, hey, Jack, so sorry, your house was sold a tax sale. We have $200,000 here at the office for you. you can please stop by, bring an ID, and we'll get you a check. They don't do that because they're government agencies. so why would they do something like that? And the ugly truth of it is, if you don't claim the money, they keep it. And it there's a you'll love this so jack we'll do an english test and it's been a while but let's do an english test mm-hmm. so it's about root words so in law and i'm a lawyer but I'm a lawyer since 1995 so in law we look at words especially the root of a word to see if we can know more about its meaning so this is the word see if you can pick out the root word for this money getting forfeited the word is s cheat can you tell es-cheat. me the root? what's cheat s es- what do you think the root word to s cheat is
0: I, I don't even have a guess. I...
1: Cheat is the root word. It's cheat. Sorry to put you in English. Tats, right? <laughs> you had me so perplexed. I don't know. What, what are we going? Where are we it's going all, here? Oh, good humor. Nobody get mad. So the root <laughs> word to us cheat is cheat. And it's cheating is the process by which the government seizes the money and won't give it back. So if you don't ask for your money in time, usually three years, by the way. So if you don't ask for your money in three years, they just figure that you've abandoned it and they keep it. And you could be like in a coma, wake up at three years in a day and say, I've been in a coma. Could I have my money? Oh, sorry. Yesterday was the deadline. You're done. It's really bad. It's only governments can do these kinds of things.
0: So, so this this whole thing, I'm going to show how much of a nerd I am, but you've probably seen the movie or read the book, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yes.
0: Yeah. Where he's, Harvey Dent is... St- laying in front of his house before the bulldozers come and commissioners are standing there saying we had it on file for you to come and review for the past three years without ever telling him or notifying him but it was there it almost seems like that kind of a it's it is. very underhanded I, I don't know how else to put it this is really in, sad. in
1: Michigan, they argued when the tax people argued against giving people the money back they're like we need this money for schools and for the children. Don't you, do you hate the children? And it's just such bad argument. It's not fair to somebody who's at such a financial low point in their life that they're losing their house. You do not need to take all of that person's equity in their house to balance your budget. And it's just like you're balancing on the back of the poorest and the poor, the people in the hardest position, which I love getting this money back from the government because it's like it's just a little sweet bit of revenge for all the times they boss us around all the times they take our money and i make them give the money back it's the best thing ever and you can too it doesn't you don't have to be a lawyer i'm a lawyer i've covered all the legality stuff on in in the course we put out but it, i just love the fact that an ordinary person armed with a little knowledge can fill in the form and make them give the money back and it's by the way this isn't like a belligerent fight this is more like getting your refund from the irs and it's, it's, as tax time comes up, if you fill in your 1040, you file your taxes. And if you're owed a refund, whether it's a dollar or $10 million, they'll send you the money. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. They, just send, they don't think about it. Some computer does that. And these days, they even direct deposit into your account. So it's not, really not a big deal. This is the same thing. But if you didn't file your taxes and you didn't apply, meaning fill in your 1040 and sign it and send it in, they will give you the money back. And this is the same thing. They will give you the money back if you apply. If you don't, they will keep it. And IRS Mm -hmm. deadline, by the way, is three years also. If you don't file your taxes within three years, you can't get a refund. Mm -hmm. And the counties are more or less doing the same thing, although it does vary by state. There are a couple of odd states where it's very short. For example, in, in Maine, it's a year. In Alaska, it's six months. A couple of states, it's forever. Hawaii and Delaware, it's forever.
0: So on average, do you know, you probably know the statistics, how much of this goes unclaimed every year? Almost
1: all of it. The stat I can get is from the National Association of Unclaimed Property Administrators. It's called NALPA, which is like a trade group of people in states that deal with unclaimed monies. And they said an average year, about 6% of the money is claimed and the rest of it isn't. So six out of 100.
0: Uh, Another question that comes up, this almost, this is a, like the first time I've had this podcast now for five years, and this is the first I've heard of this. And it's just really shocking
1: that. So don't feel badly, by the way. So I've been an an attorney, real estate attorney since 1995. So it's been a long time. I didn't find out about overages until 2005. And just to make matters worse, before I was a real estate attorney, I was a real estate investor full time. So I was buying places at tax sale and then mortgage foreclosure auctions. I had no idea there was any such thing as an overage because I would go to the auction. I would bid. Hopefully I got a property. I'd be all excited. Sometimes I didn't, but I never thought about, gee, I wonder what the County did. they sold 30 houses today for $10 million. It didn't have anything to do with me. So I didn't think about it. And so don't Mm -hmm. feel badly because nobody tells you about this. The government just assumed that you didn't know because they keep most of the money. It's actually a line, a budget line item in all counties. If you get a hold of the County budget, you'll see a line item for forfeited funds. And yeah. it's often in the millions of dollars.
0: I can't thank you enough, Bob, for shedding some light on this. One last time, head over to the rise of overages today.com. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. Cool. We're just scratching the surface of the possibilities here. And Bob, I hope you'll come back again sometime. I think Love we feel. can even go even further on anytime. some of this. Of course, Do us a quick favor. I'm so sorry, anytime. say again?
1: I said, this is really important work. Not just in the fact like your listeners that are small business people that want to have a great business, that's important. But it's also important that as people, not the government, we get together and just get some control over this government. Because it really is outrageous to take the poorest of the poor, some poor soul that loses their house at a foreclosure auction, and then stick it to them by stealing all the money, which really represents the equity in their house. I, I think it's egregious behavior. And My protest, my personal protest is let me show you guys how to go get this money and then let's go get the money. And just quantity wise, there are about 3,000 properties sold at tax foreclosures a day and about a million properties sold at mortgage foreclosures a year. So it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot.
0: Thanks again, Bob. And if you found any value here, can you do us a quick favor, everyone? Share this with somebody in your network that could make use of this information as well. Let's help Bob with this endeavor. Again, it is the rise of overages today.com. Thanks again, Bob. This was great. Great to meet you. Thanks,
1: Jack. Great meeting you. Great spending time together.
0: If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.